0: Hello, and welcome to Contemplative Episcopalian, a podcast of St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Beloit, Wisconsin, and I am Father T.J. Humphrey, the priest in charge uh, at the church. All of our podcasts so far have been sermons or guided meditations or both. We have sort of like a Frankensteinian sort of experiment here that we're continually tweaking and uh, tampering with. But for this particular podcast, I had my good friend, the Reverend Shane Spellmeyer, join me, and we had a conversation about what it means to be gay and Christian in the church and the world today. Reverend Shane is currently a transitional deacon in the Episcopal Diocese of Northern Michigan, and he will be ordained to the priesthood, Lord willing, as they say, on October 5th, 2019, which is right at this point, just a few weeks away. Shane is a very uh, dear friend of mine, and just a phenomenal person, and you'll get that (laughs) just by listening to this podcast today. Uh, I decided to interview him because I truly believe that his story, that his heart and his message, is well worth your taking the time to listen to. It's worth the 45 minutes-ish, whatever this podcast length is. Um, If you're like me, you will be shedding tears of joy and hope um, by the end of the podcast and the last few minutes in particular are especially beautiful and moving so i urge you to listen listen through the whole the whole thing so sit back relax and let yourself be moved by Shane's words of wisdom and by the prodding of the holy spirit deep within your soul Hello, hey, hey, buddy. We got it to work. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> Rad, awesome. So maybe awesome. we should get started.
1: Okay, I got my coffee. I'm ready. <laughs> good,
0: good, good. So uh, let's 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 describe first impressions of one another. We go back a few years. Yeah. Uh, what was your first impression of me? Oh,
1: <laughs> um, I guess at first uh, it was Maybe like, I don't oh, I- know. <laughs> <laughs> um I the, just a guy with long hair so I was like oh another another fellow long hair so that's kind of nice. Um yeah. he kind of had the homeless look so that was fun. Okay. Um but but I also knew that you were in uh an, an ACNA uh d- diocese at the time. Yeah uh, so at the time when i had first come to seminary I, I had a lot of walls up. Um so anyone I knew from ACNA I kind of kept at a distance a little bit. Uh so yeah. it took me a while to open up to you and i I remember one time you actually came up to me i think you were looking for a diocese at the time um and you asked me about springfield i was like oh well they're good i mean they're pretty conservative you might do well here and i don't know like how you took that but uh, yeah yeah so
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and for the sake of people who don't know uh the
1: backstory the acna is the
0: anglican uh split off group from the episcopal church primarily over the issue around homosexuality um um and if and there's some some of it has to do with women's ordination some of it has to do with other political things but uh that was kind of the crux of it so your reservation makes a lot of sense right right right. yeah yeah my my first impression of you was uh this dude wears flip-flops like all the time (laughs) um and then uh you you had a real like vampire kind of look once your hair got a little bit longer like it was it was good you had the clean shaven look and then the ponytail pulled back yeah (laughs) the the flip-flops didn't really mesh with the with the rest of the look there was was one day where i was like oh I just really you you had like a real like brad pitt vibe from that movie for some reason (laughs) and so that was like one of my first impressions um (laughs) in the first conversation i think that i really remember uh we had several i'm sure before that about dorky seminary things but uh one of the first ones was we were walking and you were dressed up that day and you explained kind of your dress code logic so the right. days that you dressed um kind of shitty <laughs> with yep. the holes in the knees and your jeans hole, hole and holes in your t-shirt um that was a good day but the days that you felt bad or sick you dressed up to kind of like help boost your spirits and oh, i had yeah. never met anybody that does that before so it was a, or at least vocalized that to me before so yep. i thought that was pretty pretty cool yeah so this is going good so far. I've I've studied and in, in order to have a successful podcast, you have to have some like witty banter and all that back and forth. And I think we're doing okay at that so far. Maybe. Oh, good. Yeah,
1: I think so. I don't you know. Laugh, so it's fun. Oh, good.
0: Yeah. That's good. <laughs> all right. How about how about a little bit more uh, just like off the wall random questions that'll be okay. fun, and then okay. we'll dig into some of the deeper stuff. Um, so, NSYNC or Backstreet Boys?
1: Ooh, Backstreet Boys. Or.
0: Backstreet Boys. Uh, yeah, no okay. No, I wasn't sure. You're you, you're a bit younger. I wasn't sure if you would. Uh, if you that was uh that was a little bit before your time, probably. Oh no, the Backstreet Boys are back. All right, <laughs> are they back? <laughs> They're always back. <laughs> all right. Well, related question: uh, Miley Cyrus or uh, Taylor Swift?
1: Ooh, oh, T Swift. That's that's hard. Um, I think T Swift. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What, what,
0: what's your what's your your reasoning here?
1: I think because anytime she has a bad breakup, she immediately turns it into a song. And then I feel really bad for the guy because he can never outlive that song. But that's true. <laughs> yeah. I never thought about it from that angle before. Those yeah. poor guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, they probably had it coming.
0: They probably did. Yep. Yep. All right. Two more random questions. We'll go food related. Nope. Pancakes or waffles?
1: Pancakes. Just got to let it soak in. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah. Got it. That's that. That's sound logic. Good reasoning. Yeah, I like that. Enough. All right, most important question of all so far: uh, bourbon or beer? What kind of beer? I just—that's—that's that's the question. Oh, answer it as it question. is. <laughs> you read into the question what you want to read into it. Um,
1: when I hear beer, I immediately think of like light beers, so I'm going to go for bourbon.
0: Okay, Well, good. Yeah. That's the right. That's the right answer. Oh, good. Okay, <laughs> good. <Yeah. laughs> I have opinions about that, as I was you know. That we, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've, we've shared uh, many martinis and bourbons together. So it's, it's good
1: it's oh, seminary man. life That's yeah, seminary at, at its best. Yep. Sitting outside <laughs> drinking bourbon, watching the snowfall like that. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah, well, m- maybe we can transition into some of the like deeper parts and I'd like, I'd love to just have you share your story if you're willing to share it. Yeah. Um, and just ask your, ask your thoughts um, on what it means to be gay and what it means to be a Christian. Yeah. Um, Cause I think your story and um your your friendship has meant a lot to me and it's been extremely formative for me. But I think your story, like for anybody hearing it, it has you know, is it's powerful and inspiring. So um yeah, if you could just, you know, share uh um uh, what's what's kind of a synopsis of your story. Sure. Um what's what's some of the, the the highlights that you would have, you know, um that you would share in the course of a few minutes.
1: Sure, sure. Um so I'm thinking it's almost like how do you how do you describe gay and Christian medicine? Well, I, I look in the mirror, you know. Um but, yeah. but so I'm thinking like going back just in, in terms of discovering <clears throat> both. <clears throat> I don't remember really when I first thought, like had the thought that I'm I'm gay, like that I, I'm attracted to men. Um, but I do remember growing up, like just always slightly being more attractive to men. Um and I didn't realize that till much later. Um and I mean being younger, like you always have the adults pairing you up with the with the other cute little girl and so it's just like oh your boyfriend and girlfriend and so I kind of lived into that for a few years and mm-hmm. I remember in yeah. sixth grade I had a girlfriend just because we were always together and so people are like oh you're dating it's like oh if that's what that means okay <laughs> <Sure>. um, <laughs> and so so I just kind of kept going with that for a while Um, and I didn't really start thinking about sort of my attraction to men uh, just like I mean, I was prepubescent at the time, so it was just like looking, enjoying looking at guys. Uh, so I didn't really know what that meant yet. Um, but as I started kind of coming to terms with that, it was about the same time that I discovered the church. Uh, so I had a single mom who we, we didn't really have like a, an, an intense church life. She, she tried to do some church shopping, but it just never really worked out in Florida. Um, and it wasn't until I moved up to Illinois that we started going to my grandma's church, which was an Episcopal church at the time um mm-hmm. and at first it was grandma's house grandma's rules you go to grandma's church um my, mo- my mom just kind of went along with that and I was the kid so I went along with it too <clears throat> but I had this memory um of a midnight mass where and and I've had a lot of other experiences in my life that have kind of shaped me um but this experience of the midnight mass was really like sort of everything came together like there was there was a linchpin moment everything just kind of made sense um and that was my first real experience of the church um, and I fell in love with it and I, and I couldn't walk away from it again. Uh, so I, I immediately started going and it became to the point where we moved out to grandma's house and I was dragging my mom to church until I got my driver's license.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, but, but things in that church and I, and I still love everybody there. I'm still, I still have contact with them. I still know my first priest. Um, but they were taking a route that I couldn't go. Um, so like you mentioned sort of in the intro. Um, at the time, I think it was around 2008, there were some splits going on in the church. Um, and my, the church that I was a part of was going with uh, the Anglican Church in North America, which at that time was very like, no, we can't have gay clergy. We can't, um, like, if if you act on gay desires, like, it's it's a sin. Um, and I remember having some really uh, powerful, well, not powerful, but very formative in a negative way conversations uh, with some priests who Hmm. really set me back on a while from actually coming out to myself. Hmm. Um, So I didn't come out actually until many years later. Um, And this is like years of youth events and years of like going to Anglo Catholic conferences as like the star of Quincy, that kind of thing, Hmm. Uh, which which was my diocese at the time. Um, But, uh, but yeah, so when I, when I finally hit 18, um, I met, this, I met this boy at a choir conference, naturally, <laughs> yep. um, and, and I, I found him really cute, um, and, and I kind of let myself think that, uh, so we started texting back and forth. We started talking, as the kids were calling it at the time, um, and nothing ever really came of that, except that I finally kind of accepted that part of myself. Hmm. Um, the problem was the church was also a huge part of my life, um, so I had a moment of, how do I, how do I reconcile this? Yeah. Uh, so I kind of pulled myself out of the church entirely. Um, I was supposed to go to a conference, and I was just like, "Guys, I, I can't. I can't do this." Um, and I said, "Because I can't, like, I, ca- I can't line up with your beliefs on this anymore. I'm sorry." Um, sure. And broke a lot of people's hearts, uh, but it's it's what I had to do. Um, sure. So I wandered for about two years. Um, I was never an atheist, but I had a lot of questions that the church just. Um, and it wasn't until I was at Southern Illinois University, which is right across from St. Louis, your old stomping grounds, yeah. um, where I, I got attached to a parish there because they had a contemplative prayer group going on on campus. Um, and it was a way of approaching the church that I hadn't seen before. Something that was saying, you don't need all the trappings. The trappings are fun. Like, I love my trappings mango Anglo-Catholic, um, but you don't need all that. You can just sit here in the presence of God, and God will sit with you. yeah for um, and that, for those who might yeah. not be
0: as familiar with like a contemplative prayer service, what does that what, what did that look like you know what what did it look right. like and what was the, the major draw It didn't have the trappings, but what does that mean for somebody who, who wouldn't know what that means? Sure sure.
1: so for him for, for the priest that was doing it, um, the first couple sessions, like when there were just kind of an influx of like new people, older people. Um, he would give just some instruction on centering prayer, which is sort of the practice of picking like a word, um, a sacred word for that moment. Um, and just kind of consigning a period of time to just sit in silence. Hmm. Um, and when thoughts and and anxieties and distractions come to mind and they will, because we're human. Um, you just use that word, whatever it is, if it's uh, a name for God, if it's love, it's holiness you use that word to just kind of return uh, to that place of center um, where it's just you, it's just God, no other thoughts, no other distractions. Um, and, and I love what Thomas Keating used to say. Uh, the beauty of that is that even if you have all these distractions and you have to keep returning back to God, that's like 10,000 chances of returning back to God. That's a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so for him, that was a very important thing for me because it was saying you, Shane Spelmeyer, like you can come to this, you don't have to pretend to be anything. You don't have to, we, hmm. we're not even going to preach anything at you. You can just sit here and bathe in the presence of God. Wow. Um, and for me, that was very formative. Wow. Yeah. And then, so from there, um, I thought, well, this parish seems pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so they pulled me in, um, and, and I just let them love me. Um, it was one of those parishes where they just adopt you, like no matter what. Um, and I didn't even have to say I was gay, like at a certain point, someone was just like, Oh, so you have a boyfriend. And I was like, Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it was, it was a really wonderful parish. Um, it was a very affirming, but not in a, like, trying to make themselves seem affirming. They just were. Yeah. You know, they just loved people. Yeah. Yep. And, and then I ended up uh, on, on, a, on a discernment track. Um, so the priest there um, was a former professor at Nishota. Um We started meeting uh, about once a week uh, for a good couple months. Um, I'd been at the parish for a little while then, and then we started up a discernment group. Um, one of his things, though, uh, I don't know if you caught this. He, he was a uh, professor at Nishota for a while. Hmm. My, phone's, my phone's getting angry at me. Um, he was a professor at Nishota for a while, um, and he actually tried to talk me out of going to Nishota. Um, hmm. Not in a, like, you shouldn't go there because they're evil kind of way, um, but in a, like, hey, I've heard your story. I know the wounds that you've received. Um, I'm not sure if Nishota would be the best place for you to go. Hmm. Uh, so, so I... I sh- I'm stubborn, so I went to go visit anyway, because <laughs> um, I'd known a lot of priests who'd come to Neshota, and I knew like, it made good priests, um, for better or worse. Um, so I ended up going for a visit um, and just walking around the campus and meeting some of the people whom I met uh, and just praying on it. Like It felt like the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, I didn't know what the challenges were going to be and knew there were going to be some, um, but it, it felt... Like I couldn't really go anywhere else. Um, so I think I visited a few other seminaries, but really, I mean, Neshota was the place. Uh, so but even though even so when I talked to the bishop about it, I was in I was in Springfield at the time with Bishop Martins, whom I love, whom I adore. Um, yeah, I talked to him about it. And I said, Well, I'm I'm wondering if I should go check out Swanee. Uh, and he was chairman of the board at the time. So he said, Well, you could look at Swanee, but but you're going to Neshota. I <laughs> yeah Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, there you and, go that's how i got there yeah <laughs> that's that <sad. laughs>
0: yeah yep. yeah so so you know the nishoda house uh, theological <laughs> seminary is where you and i met yes and our paths mm-hmm. aligned and uh yeah um we became close friends and mm-hmm. i um you know ha- the um you know there were there were some struggles obviously um sure. house is in towards the kind of more of a conservative seminary but it would you say do you regret going was it was it formative i mean um what could you speak to that just a little bit
1: yeah um it was definitely formative um like no hands down like all the good the bad the, the complicated like it was all formative um mm. and being out in the parish now i can see the ways in which life in community specifically life and community at nishota mm. um, and i'm not sure if, if your uh, uh listeners know much about how the life in nishota um but being in community like sitting next to the person whom you might not necessarily like that much Um, luckily like i did like the person who sat next to me but he chewed his nails um (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but like being in community like that you you can't help but grow to love each other in some way even if it's just accepting that that person is that way um Mm -hmm. you still love them for who they are um so for me that was that was a very powerful experience um we're when I was at Nashota, there were definitely moments where I regretted being there. Um, My first semester, well, after my first semester, and this is before I came out to you and our other friend, Adam, uh, I actually wrote a letter to my bishop and requested to leave Nashota. I said, I I can't do this. Um, Because at that point, uh, the first semester, I felt like I'd put put on a mask. Um, I hadn't necessarily, well, I had gone back into the closet, essentially, just not talking about it, not admitting that part of my humanity. Yeah. Uh, And so I wrote to the bishop and I and when I came back after uh, our Christmas break, I realized I couldn't do that anymore. Uh, So I wrote to the bishop and said, hey, I have to leave. I can't do this. Um, So he said, well, let's let's pray it out. Let's talk about it. If you want to leave at the end of the semester, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after that point, I thought, well, you know what, if I'm going to be here, I'm going to be here yeah um so I started talking uh, I think I came out to Adam first um, and then I started talking to you about it um, and just a few others gradually over time um, until mid of the year when I actually came out in a, in a sermon which which was a beautiful thing um, it was
0: amazing it was an amazing <laughs> sermon by the way yeah oh, thank you yeah
1: yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Um,
1: and and that that was kind of my thing about it um and and I think you could attest to this like in in that sermon itself it wasn't about saying hey I'm gay, you have to deal with it it was more well I mean that was part of it, but it was also. <laughs> Just saying, hey, this is part of my story. This is who I am. Um, I'm a Christian man. I'm a gay man. I've had a boyfriend. Um, let us walk in the love of the Lord together. Yeah. Uh, and after that, a lot of a lot of my my brothers and some of my sisters who I know uh, have reservations about gay marriage. Um, we had a lot of really good conversations, um, mm. open conversations, honest conversations. Um, and I'm thankful for that. And I and I can't help but think as small as I am and as, as faulty as I am, then I, then I hope that God was using my presence at Nashota to just say, Hey, yeah, you can be gay and Christian and you yeah. can be in holy orders. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Undoubtedly. As somebody who witnessed all of that and your journey, like undoubtedly you had a significant impact on others around you. Um, and at least at, at the very least it's, you know, some people I'm sure their perspectives shift shifted significantly. You know, the thought of like Shane is an incredible person. Shane's such a, Like a godly man, like if Shane has no business being in holy orders, like I certainly don't have any business being ordained, you know, so there's like a a bit of that I, you know, I heard it from some conversations and just like, at the very least, you know, some people came with certain certainty on, on 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 the matter. Um, sure. And you shook that certainty and, and it, it helped people open up to more dialogue and that, a willingness to learn and to discuss and may not even change their minds on the issue, but at least there is an openness that wasn't there before. And I think that's that's huge, you know, in, in some ways. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. I mean, just like we're being dressed up with a nice clean shaven ponytail, I like to wear flip flops. I like to keep things shaken up. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Indeed. I no, appreciate that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so now um, I'll, we'll come back to where you're at now uh, towards okay. the end, because I think uh, that'd be a good question to entertain. So there's a few questions I ha- more questions I have to get kind of more mm-hmm. direct, which is kind of picking your brain um, yeah. on, on, on uh, not just your journey, but some of the worldview behind your journey
1: yeah. um,
0: or worldviews maybe. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, the name of this podcast is going to be gay and Christian. Um, okay. In what ways, <laughs> in what ways is that not an oxymoron? And you hinted at it earlier by just saying, "I'm looking in the mirror, like you're yeah. confronted with these kind of two realities that oftentimes are polarized in people's minds. Right, um, right. Yeah. And so could you speak to that a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I think, so like I was mentioning, I'm just kind of backing up like my very first parish, uh, like coming into the church, my grandma's church. Um, I didn't come out to myself like a fish. I didn't allow myself to be gay until I was 18. I had questions about it though leading up to them because I mean you really can't <laughs> not um so I think during that period of my life I was acutely aware of the fact that I was trying to be Christian and that I couldn't be gay um hmm. so they were dichotomous so it was two different things um as I had to question these things and I realized that like I really couldn't choose who I was attracted to. Like that's just part of who I am, um, and it's a beautiful part of who I am. Like I'm glad for it now, uh, but relationally, it's part of who you are. Um, so when I finally kind of accepted that, like I couldn't just ignore that, um, I had questions about my faith <laughs> hmm. uh, because my the iteration of the faith that I had received was you can't do that um, and be in good standing with Christ. Um, but as I started, I mean, I was a young man exploring my sexuality. Um, I came to find that in the interactions that I had, um, because they were so much more genuine, um, like even just like flirting, um, even just talking to other people about people I find attractive or people I might even love. Um, I found Christ in those interactions, uh, because, because they were real, because they were human. It wasn't. I have to please this principle that I'm living up to. It was this is who I am, and I find love in that, and I find the experience of love in that. Hmm. Um, and then from there, I had to find out, okay, well, if that's true, what does Christianity mean? Like, where's is, where's is my place in that? Because that also speaks to me. That speaks something deep to me, um, because that's also part of my humanity. Um, and so then it became less dichotomous and saying, well, okay, if I am gay, how do I be Christian? What does that look like? And come to find out it looks a lot the same as if you're not gay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You just kind of live into it because really the Christian life is, is, is being called the transformation, the transformative power of love uh, of entering into human relationships and loving um, Mm. and calling the best out of people through that love. Um, And for me, that looked a little bit gayer than it did for other people, <laughs> uh, but, but yeah. So, so, kind of the journey of saying, well, they're not two different things. Um, they're two things that are aspects of my identity that are in me. Um, I'm gay and Christian. I'm a, I'm a gay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow.
0: What uh, What would you want the church to know about the gay community? Like if you had if you had a message if you had one thing you could say what would you say? Church at large, you know, speaking yeah, yeah, church yeah. broadly, cross-denominationally, what would you want yeah. the larger church to know about the gay community?
1: Mm. I think what's interesting about that is the gay community is also so huge and so diverse,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and so sometimes I wonder because uh, I, I have a lot of really lovely um, also gay friends. Uh, who are much more likely to like paint their bodies rainbow colors and like go uh, throw glitter at people, which is a wonderful thing. Like, that's not, I'm not putting that down. But, but I'm not like, I, I wear flannel, I, I've torn jeans. Like, that's just kind of my style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I for me, I would think, I would say to the church at large to stop, to stop pandering, I guess, in a lot of ways. Because it seems sometimes when they when they want to reach out to the gay community, it's a very specific subset of the gay community. Hmm. Um, it might be it's it's and I hate to say this because I I actually really fall into this category, so I probably should say it. Um, it's usually like white men um, who were gay who had a hard time, um, understandably, and we they need healing from that, and we should offer them healing. Um, but. But they leave a lot of us out. Um, A lot of the quiet, a lot of the single gays even. Hmm. Uh, Because, I mean, for me, like part of my sexuality is the fact that, like, I'm attracted to men. But to me, that doesn't necessarily follow that I have to be in a relationship at every moment to be satisfied. Hmm. Um, Part of my relational ontology, if we want to use fancy seminary language, (laughs) uh, is 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 how I relate to men I find attractive, um, and men I find emotionally attractive as well, like men I can relate to in their minds and souls. but I, 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 would like, I would like for less of the uh, sort of stereotypes um, that have been harmful towards towards gays and kind of lumping us all together. Mm. Um, but also, the pastoral method of kind of still lumping us all together and saying, "Well, let's 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 make this let's uh, uh, let's water this down." Uh, that that's kind of what I'm what I'm what I'm, what I'm what I'm shying away from is just kind of watering things down uh, mm. for the sake for the sake of saying we're making this more open, but not actually being honest about what we're doing anymore. Hmm. That's my fear. Hmm. I felt like I kind of rambled there, if that made sense. (laughs) No, yeah, no.
0: Yeah, can you tease that out a little bit more? Uh, So watering things down in in what way and not really being honest in what way?
1: I think a lot of times what I've seen, um, and it's it's really interesting because kind of coming out of the Anglo-Catholic tradition, um, there are a lot of closeted gay men. There are a lot of really open gay men who just, People don't care. <laughs> mm. um, sometimes I've noticed uh, in in certain Episcopal churches, um, very pastoral inclinations is to kind of take away, to kind of pretend that we didn't have a tradition. I've I've kind of noticed that in there's there's a there's a history of um, <clears throat> to be the more liberal church, uh, which means like accepting gays and and gays and lesbians and non-binary folk. Um, to do that we have to throw out everything Um, and you see you see these kind of movements away from like even saying things like the word of the lord Um, which again I understand like there's a history of like patriarchy and misogyny attached to that but we shouldn't throw that out necessarily without explaining why that was said Um, because it means something different Um, and I understand that people have been hurt so but so my my inclination is always to kind of say okay guys let's talk about this rather than throw the baby out with the bath water <laughs> yeah
0: yeah 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 and maybe even you know I, I get asked the question quite a bit i wear my collar like all the time everywhere sure. and probably you know um uh, except for when i'm you know when i'm off duty so to speak like if i'm going to get dinner with my family like i'm not going to wear my collar out in public but like right. when I'm kind of on the job, it's always yeah. on me. Um, and some people, even at St. Paul's, kind of like you. Know, you know, you don't have to wear it all the time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're fine just like jeans or t-shirt or whatever. Um, yeah. And there's even even some other fellow clergy that I've met recently that are and kind of have, yeah. have, I think there's a fear of like the the collar is often a source of pain for people. Right. And people have really suffered. And especially like you got all the the, the sex scandal things that are happening and can continue right. to happen. And like it's horrible. And right. like, it, you know, and even I've been in circles here recently, where like going to just a public event and just like ha- trying to have a co- ca- casual conversation with somebody and nothing mm-hmm. religious, nothing spiritual, nothing churchy whatsoever. Um, yeah. And you can just see that people have been traumatized by the collar and like they're reacting to the symbol that's hanging around my neck, you know? Right. And part of, part of it's like, there's a temptation for me. Like it's, I don't know what it is. Like when people ask me why I wear it so often, it's, I understand like, it's a source of pain and it's a source of confusion and like, people are still traumatized and triggered by the sight of it when it comes close to them, you know, but like part of my hope is to just redeem the symbol. Like, I just want to be like, not a crappy priest. (laughs) I want to be somebody who's trying to be a good human being and somebody who's actually trying to practice what I preach, you know, and I'm not perfect, but like, there's you know uh, there the temptation would be just to throw the collar away period and not wear it at all and i get i get the sentiment behind that but part of like what i feel like i'm called to do is to redeem the symbol so when somebody sees it hopefully because of my influence you know it it may not have such a negative connotation for that person anymore you know but if i could do my small part to help redeem you know something like that um I think it's, it's worthwhile, you know, so I, I really
1: resonate with what you're saying. Right, no. And yeah. I think like even speaking specifically to the caller, um, I think that's a really interesting example because I know <clears throat> a lot of um, older clergy uh, or even like, well, actually mostly older clergy, um, who have kind of gotten rid of the collar because of that reason, because it has hurt so many people. Um, and I think because they don't want the backlash of that hurt to come back on them uh, because yeah. it was something they did. So I understand that. Um but, like, I'm kind of with you, like, if we don't, if as clergy we don't wear the collar, um, then, and then how is that perception going to change? Yeah. Um, because for people who haven't been heard by the church, like, the collar is a symbol of saying, you can come to me, and I can pray for you, and I will pray for you, let's pray now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I want our, my, my gay brothers and sisters, your gay brothers and sisters, to know that, to have that same opportunity. Um, here, being uh, we we ha- we kind of have a toe in campus ministry here with the Canterbury House, um, and a school is getting kind of starting back up here, um, you know, the the university. Um, I've I've had the opportunity to meet with a couple like folks my age, a little bit younger, like in undergrad, um, and usually like not usually but occasionally like gay folks and non-binary folks, um, and I can tell that when I wear the collar, they're a little bit more suspicious of me, which breaks my heart because I'm yeah. part of their community. Um, but I just want them to know that I'm there for them. And then I'll share my story and we'll get there. But there's always that barrier of the caller. Yeah. 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 Well. But again, how are we gonna fix it if we don't if we don't redeem it?
0: You referenced how some episcopal churches maybe aren't advocating probably as as uh, Well as they could be uh, in some ways by by stripping away pivotal parts of the Christian tradition, Um, but you know what what else would you could you speak to that more? You know what what advice would you give to somebody who is an advocate?
1: Uh, I think, and I don't remember where I first heard this, um, so I'm probably stealing it from someone. Uh, But I I once heard someone say the phrase, uh, "On whose behalf are you offended?" Um, and that, that's always stuck with me, um, and it's always mm. made me question when I get offended on someone else's behalf. Um, so that being said, I think church leaders should talk um, to the gay, to the to the LGBT folk people in their community as individuals, um, or as couples, like as, as we might come, um, but to meet them, uh, to ask them what their needs are, to ask them what their mm. experience of church has been, and mm. um,
0: my Phone, calls. are you still there?
1: <laughs> yes, we're good. We're good. <laughs> um, so to kind of ask them specifically what their experience of church has been, um, yeah. to find out what they need, um, because I think, like I was saying, we tend to, and I think this is a very human thing, we tend to get caught up in the moment of something, we tend to get caught up in the movement and want to be a part of something. Um, so I think a lot of people who are advocates, who are allies are coming from a really well-meaning place of wanting to say, no, we have to fight for LGBT rights. We have to, and you should, like, please do. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but in such a way that it almost seems like it's their problem, um, mm-hmm. which, which it is. It's, it's a very human problem. But sometimes as, as one of the gays, um, I feel like I'm raising my hand in the corner saying, I actually wasn't super upset about that part. Could we read that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, so I would, I would just say, if you're gonna make, and I think like again, support your LGBT brothers and sisters. But if you're gonna do that, like support them um, as people, not as not as a movement, not as an idea, as people.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Hmm. Um. How about two more questions? That good. Oh, you doing good on time?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: What What do you What do you like slash love about the Episcopal Church?
1: Ooh. A lot of things. (laughs) Um, I think for me, one of the big things, and I'm finding this in ministry now, um, is the fact that as a body, as the Episcopal church, we have a tradition of common prayer. Um, so I know that across the United States for the most part, and I know some churches do their own thing, um, across the United States on a Sunday morning, or even if people have a practice of paying the daily office, like you're not in church alone. Um, even if you have four people in your congregation, like if you're in a small congregation, you were saying mass, you were saying the daily office with every other Episcopalian in the United States um, and every Mm. other Anglican in the world, Mm. um, which I think is amazing. Um, That being said, we have that common prayer, but we also have such diversity in the church, um, which I don't think we could sustain without common prayer (laughs) uh, because I think we might fall apart then. Um, Yeah, yeah. But we have, because like I I would identify in some ways as Anglo-Catholic in the more like socialist kind of way sometimes, but Anglo-Catholic in that way. Uh, But I have very good friends, very good brothers and sisters who are, um, as they would say at a snake belly low. Um, They're more broad church. They they, uh, sometimes more kind of Presbyterian in in the way they approach church, Um, which is fine. And I love that because I know on a Sunday morning, we're praying the mass together still. um, and, And I think that's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Very good. Very good. <laughs> very good. I wasn't sure if you're going to keep going or if you would stop. stopped. <laughs> so, yeah, <tough> sorry. <laughs> Aw, awkward. Awkward silence. <laughs> hey, uh, how about how about one more question and hopefully like a somewhat emotional, sentimental, meaningful, very meaningful question? So you're you're going to be ordained to the priesthood, uh, Lord willing, as they say, uh, cool. next month. Yeah. What's the day again?
1: Uh, October fifth.
0: October fifth. So everybody that's listening on October fifth, take a break and pray for uh, for uh, the newly or- ordained or being ordained, Father Spilmeyer. I appreciate uh, that. Yeah. yeah. Call you Father soon. Wow, it's it's, it's a it's a amazing. So yeah. how are you yeah. feeling going into that?
1: Oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm feeling a lot of things. Um, anxious, excited, worried. Um, inspired um it's it's a lot um so i think in in the past couple months uh so so i'm already out in the field as they say i have a parish um i'm a priest in partnership which which in a lot of other congregations like the priest in charge position so it's kind of a vicar kind of situation yeah Um, but being out i've kind of still being a transitional deacon i felt half charged at times if that makes sense um, because I, th- I believe like the vocation of being a deacon is a true thing and people are truly called to that. And I think every priest is also a deacon. Um, but also like kind of being out in the congregation, like wanting to feed these people who might, whom I've grown to love and who've grown to love them for their quirks. Um, but wanting to feed these people and knowing that I have sort of this barrier. So we have someone who we've been getting reserved sacrament from and, and all that. Um, but now like I, it's, it's, it's kind of, I don't know. Like I feel more full as I get closer. Um, and I also feel more, more and more anxious. Um, and <laughs> I kind of had this experience right when I started my position here as well. Um, of kind of saying, okay, God, well, we're here. Um, this is exciting. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to kind of be doing it now after, after all this training. Um, but the weight of it hits you. Yeah. Uh, because I, mean, I think going through Neshota, uh, and I talk to a professor like this, like you always say, well, when I have my church, I'm not going to do this. I want to do it this way. I want to do it this way. Um, and in some ways you do have that freedom, but like I was saying before, like, it's not, it's not about the individual um, necessarily in church. I mean, yes, the individual needs to be fed and have their relationship with Christ, but it's about us coming together. Um, and so kind of being the person in the parish to kind of try and bring these disparate people together and i know it's not me i know it's god doing it through me but but kind of seeing your own faults going into that you can't help you can't help but see those faults um so nervous super nervous (laughs) (laughs) Uh, these feelings of i am not worthy um but i know this is what god has been leading me to um throughout my entire life um like from that first moment at midnight mass i the reason it all clicked is because I saw the priest standing there and I said that that's going to be me one day. Um, Hmm. I didn't know how I knew that. I didn't even precisely know what he was doing, but I knew that was going to be me. And now, now we're approaching that. God be praised.
0: (laughs) Hmm. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. There's something on the other side of it. I'm newly, newly ordained myself. It was June. I, I find that I'm different and I'm not, that much different but there's a difference in me that's something there's a certain something that's there now that wasn't there before
1: yeah
0: um and i'm still the same old me but everything like everything has changed but everything has stayed the same at the same time but i just i found that i find there's just a really quiet resilience and peace and stability um that um, i have now that i didn't have and it just lingers and it keeps resurfacing you know it doesn't go away and yeah. It's a powerful thing. It's a nerve wracking thing. It's an amazing thing, you know? Um, so Yeah. Very excited for you. Very excited for your churches that you're going to be serving and very excited for just the church at large. <laughs> it's, it's, it does us well to have a father uh, Shane Spellmeyer in the world. So.
1: Oh, well, I thank you Father TJ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, one, one last thing. If you could say in one sentence, if you can go back in time and talk to your younger self, like, if you can have a conversation with you as a little boy,
1: what would you say? Oof. <laughs> um, I think just be yourself. Like, just, just that simple. Um, and I mean, if I had a few more moments, I might explain that to him. Um, but just to say, this is an incredible journey that God has put before you. Um, you're not going to know what's going on half the time. <laughs> but trust it it's going to be so good and don't lie don't don't be phony don't put on that mask please don't put on that mask just be yourself be your gay little self be your christian self hmm. be yourself because that's who god wants you to be hmm. um, and i would say that to a little me and i would say that to really to really any anyone who came to me um yeah with those questions yeah,
0: yeah yeah i get well, it, not I, get it. Now I am to too cry. actually i was gonna say the same thing <laughs> well that, probably on that note that's probably a good place to end huh yeah yeah <laughs> <I
1: think so. laughs>
0: all right thank you for joining us today and thank you for listening to heed reverend shane's words i i'm pretty new here still at saint paul's but I truly believe that we are an open and affirming faith community. Uh, But we're open and affirming without trying too hard to be. Uh, We just simply are. Uh, We just love people for who they are, no matter where they're coming from in life. And we certainly aren't perfect, uh, for sure. And I as the priest, I am far from perfect, I can promise you that. But I don't think any of us are really trying to be perfect. Uh, Rather, uh, we are a community that's trying to be authentic. We pursue an authentic spirituality and an authentic gospel message so that we can become our most authentic selves. There's an old monastic saying, uh, one that is pretty prevalent in our tradition. Become what you are. Christianity is about taking the masks off. It's about becoming more you in all of your you <laughs> Uh, Because God created you to be precisely you. Uh, A pivotal part in the way that we seek to glorify God is by waking up, by stripping away the false self, and by becoming the people that we know that we already are, deep down inside of ourselves, that person deep within that we're trying to get to, to live out in the most authentic way possible. And if St. Paul's, our church, has a central message, uh, a central embodied ethos, I really think this would be it. Become what you are. So, So whoever you are and wherever you happen to find yourself on life's great journey, if you're looking for a community that will accept you for who you are, for a community who will come alongside you and love you into greater existence, Please come and check us out if you're in our area. And if you're wondering what my message is all about as the minister here, you know, please feel free to check out some of the homilies, the sermons, that I've uploaded to this podcast. You'll get the gist. Thank you again for tuning in. Be well, and God bless.